Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and uh, this is episode 86 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Jonathan Furland edition, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the editor-in-chief, the founder of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing very well, and it's good to hear that uh, you're enjoying the lovely spring-summer weather uh, there yeah. in, the, uh, in Newfoundland, and a uh, pleasant day here, too. Um, and uh, we're happy to be with uh, everybody, wherever you are, whether you're outside enjoying uh, listening to us, uh, wherever it is. Um Number it's uh, episode eighty six. That's the number for Jonathan Furland, as you mentioned. Um, if you remember Jonathan Furland, he was um, a <laughs> seventh round pick back in two thousand and two. Um, played um, five seasons, I think, with the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, and uh, a couple of games, seven games uh, total with the Canadians. Um, he went on, he's still playing, by the way. He he went on to play in the Austrian League. He went on to play in the, the British Hockey League. Uh, and now, last year, um, at the age of uh, 37, I believe he is, uh, he was playing in the LNAH. That's that uh, semi-pro league in Quebec that's known for okay. uh, its fisticuffs yeah. more than its skill. <laughs> um, but... Um, the the connection here, and we always try to make a Canadian's connection, the connection here is with Carey Price. And that is because oh. that is because uh Carey Price, as we know, joined uh the Hamilton Bulldogs uh, late in the, the two thousand six seven season uh when Jonathan Furland was part of that team. And uh, the two went on to win the Calder Cup. So uh, Jonathan Furland was a, is a Calder Cup winner, and he shares that honor with uh, Carey Price, who uh, was outstanding in the Calder Cup uh, playoff run uh, for the Ham- Hamilton Bulldogs. Yes, he was. And, yeah, that's, that's what we like to do here on the Canadians Connection. We start things off and, uh, and get to some Jonathan Furland stories before we dive into what has been a incredibly – uh, I mean, information for NHL fans, for sports fans as a whole, there's been a lot of information that's come out in the last week, specifically from conversations and from uh, explanations from Gary Bettman, a conference call with Mark Bergevin, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to be discussing that later on in this show in the second segment and get to all of the information that was handed out by the NHL's commissioner about the return to play, about the different phases of this return to play plan that the NHL has and the draft lottery as well. And of course, the comments from Mark Bergevin on how it affects the Montreal Canadiens, who, as we discussed last week, would be in this return to play format slated to match up with the Pittsburgh Penguins in a qualifying round. So we are going to get to that later on in this show. 
And there's a lot of information to get into just with that. So that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have. But before we get there, we do have a lot to get to here in this first segment. And uh, it begins with another AHL signing. Last week, Yannick Veilleux was uh, re-signed, and, and we discussed how he's been he's had a productive stretch with the Laval Rocket. Um, now the Montreal Canadiens and Laval Rocket have shifted their attention to Raphael Harvey-Pinard. Uh, he's signed a one-year, one-way AHL deal. Uh, 2019 seventh-round pick uh, coming off uh, a productive year with the Shakutami. Uh, with Shakutami of the QMJHL, where he racked up uh, 78 points. So uh, another piece for the Laval Rocket for next season. Uh, the, the Laval Rocket roster is filling in, and since uh, yeah. the pause <laughs> in March, um, Mark Bergevin has signed Alex Belzeal, he signed uh, uh, Gustav Olofsson, he signed uh, Jesse Yelonen is going to be, probably be there um, yeah. next year. Um, uh, Arsen He's a meet. I'm going to get this wrong now. <laughs> He's a mood enough. Uh, Liam yep. Howell. Um, and so there's th- that roster is, is filling out. And, and this is a curious one. Um, he's Raphael Harvey Pinard is, is, uh, is a bit of a cult kind of uh, hero in, in Quebec yeah. already, a homegrown <laughs> kind of player. Um, and um, one of those guys that, Joel Bouchard absolutely loves. Uh, why is that? Well, um, not necessarily. He's not a skilled player uh, skating, especially for a guy his size. He's a, he's undersized, five nine one seventy. Uh, his skating is well below average. Um, not a not a speedster in any uh, to any measure. Um, and he was the a guy who was passed over in the draft twice. Third time through the draft, he was picked in the seventh round. So almost. Uh, right at the very end of the draft, he just kind of made it uh, third time yeah. through. Um, so he's not fast, not a lot of skill, but uh, the kind of guy that's got um, big heart, big compete level. Um, uh, he's smart, he's good hockey sense, uh, courageous, and the kind of guy that uh, is just, uh, he's known for uh, being a good penalty killer. And, um, you're, you're just going to get a, a, an honest effort out of him. And that's the kind of, of player that, as we know, that, that Joe Bouchard loves. And, and when we went to um, uh, the uh, rookie tournament last fall back in Belleville, uh, everybody, the media was there ready to see uh, Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki and, and others. And it was Joe Bouchard featured Raphael Harvey Pinard. He was on the top line. He was on the, the first wave of the power play, he got a ton of ice time. So uh, I'd expect um, you can, you'll be seeing a, a lot of that uh, for Lavelle uh, whenever the AHL uh, resumes. Absolutely. And, and with that, with the signing of, of Raphael Harvey Pinard, a 2019 seventh round pick, there were no contract offers for three 2018 picks who uh, we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, June 1st would be the deadline. And Mark Bergevin said that there would be no intention to sign three guys that they picked in the 2018 draft. Yeah. He confirmed in, in the news uh, he, he had uh, in, in his press conference, as we've mentioned in February, or maybe it was an interview with La Presse uh, in February, he said he would sign one out of those uh, four unsigned prospects. Uh, and we know that Cam Hillis was signed to an entry level deal. And yeah. Cam Hillis 
obviously the best of the group, but there was kind of an outside chance that uh, maybe Cole Vonstad um, from Everett would be signed. Um, it's not going to happen um, in the, uh, the, the, the teleconference this week. Uh, Mark Bergevin said that uh, Vonstad, McShane, and uh, Samuel Oud would not be receiving contract offers. That means they'll go back uh, into uh, the draft. Um, they they will have an opportunity to be redrafted. Yeah, so that that is interesting news to hear. Um, so speaking of, we were talking about signing entry level contracts. So we're gonna, as I said, we're gonna be discussing the Montreal Canadiens being involved in the twenty four team format. And with that, there is the curious case of Alexander Romanov and the desire that Montreal Canadiens fans understandably have to want to see him play in that qualifying series. So Rick, where are we at on that and the possibility of seeing Romanov play before we get into the start of, of next season? Because as we discussed, there was no official start date on that entry level deal. Well, you, you said it absolutely right. That it's curious. It's really curious. Yeah. Uh, we know the Canadians would, would love to have him uh, in the lineup um, on the blue line when the season resumes. Uh, but Bill Daly has been pretty firm uh, each and every time he's spoken about that. And the most recent time, just about a week or so ago, uh, he said players like Romanoff and, and uh, referred to him um, uh, specifically and he used the term uh, ringers. We're not going to bring in any ringers um, uh, for, for uh, when the season resumes. And, and so when he said that, it, to me, it was the files closed. That, that issue is dead. Uh, but in the press conference, and, and we're going to be talking a little bit later in, in segment two uh, in more detail about Mark Bergevin's press conference, uh, but with respect, when he was asked about Romanoff, he said, well, we'd, we'd like him uh, to be involved. Um, we want him in our lineup. And um, it's, not, it's not up to the NHL alone. Um, yeah. He said uh, this, this also, um, the decision is not only up to the NHL, but also to the Players Association. That was his quote. Um, so that kind of left a crack of a door open. And then Dan Milstein, um, the agent for Romanoff, he was interviewed and he said uh, that, that um, in his, in his interpretation of the regulations uh, that a team can sign a player from its reserve list. And we know teams have two lists. They have the contract list. That's a maximum of 50. And then there's the reserve list um, uh, that, is up to 90 players and, and that, that it has been the case in the past where for the playoffs uh, teams can sign from their reserve lists, uh, Romanoff's on that. So Dan Milstein's saying that he um, is assuming that they, that Romanoff can be signed. And Dan Milstein went on to say that he's been in touch with the NHLPA and, and that they have the same view. Um, He talked about a, another client of his, his, another Russian client of his that did uh, the same thing, Blue Jackets in the playoffs last season. So um, I, I don't know. Now, having said that, uh, he, he 
said that we're preparing for two scenarios, whether he can play or not play, uh, play uh, next season or the resumption of the season. But Dan Mil- Milstein seemed pretty confident. So I don't know where we are here. I, I, it, yeah. it is a very confusing situation. Yeah, and this is this is one of the things that we're going to be saying probably a lot throughout the course of this podcast is that there are a lot of variables and there's a lot of things that are dependent on how everything plays out. And yeah, it's it's a very confusing case with Alexander Romanov. The one thing that I will say, and when I'm going to be discussing this later with the potential Habs-Penguins matchup, is that there's no question that the team would like, the Montreal Canadiens would like to have him gain that sort of experience and fans would like to see Alexander Romanov play. And those are two things that are absolutely, absolutely true. So beyond that, we really don't know anything else that is 100% certain. So until we find out more, I guess we'll just have to, uh, to wait and see how this all plays out. But certainly, yeah, you'd, you'd want to see Alexander Romanov in that. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, but speaking of that potential matchup, you had two Montreal Canadiens forwards, two Montreal Canadiens veteran forwards, uh, Brendan Gallagher and uh, Paul Byron also had a conference call this week, and, and they discussed the potential matchup between the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins in that qualifying round, in that play-in, to potentially compete in the playoffs. And, uh, and, and Brendan Gallagher, I think, said it, said it best. He said, like any athlete, you look forward to testing yourself you look forward to how you hold up in those situations. So it'll be a test for our group for sure, especially with a lot of guys that haven't been given that playoff experience. And we feel we stack up to say that we go in without confidence or without belief wouldn't be true. If there's one thing I know about our group, it's if we are given that opportunity, it's something that we'd welcome. And I think that that basically says most of what you need to know about where the Montreal Canadiens are and that they're aware of the fact that this is an opportunity for them. And, and, you know, nothing is guaranteed, but they are getting an opportunity that they usually would not have. I think that's fair. They recognize that uh, there was no chance of them making the playoffs yeah. uh, had the season continued. Uh, they've been given an opportunity to make the playoffs. And, and, um, and as far as the resumption of play, we, we sh- I, I should mention uh, that, um, they are more than just uh, players who wear a letter for the Canadians. Yes. They are um, they are reps as part of the NHLPA um, um, uh, uh, players group, and and uh, and they've been very involved in the discussions. Um, so they know that this is a first step. They know that that um, the the really difficult, as difficult as as it was to put together a return to play format and and protocol for the the phase two, and mapping out a um, a, a play a qualifying round and a playoff structure and a, 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 a lottery draft and all of that, which we're going to be talking about in a minute, um, that that probably the most difficult negotiations are still ahead is what uh, is what they said. Um, there's lots and lots of issues as we talked about last week to, um, to discuss. And, and um, I think Paul Byron said it best saying I'm, I'm showing cautious optimism. Um, And and that's, that's, that's all they can do right now is, is um, be excited about the chance, but also be cautious because there's so many unknowns and because um, you know, 
it's not when they're going to play. It's if they're going to play that, that hasn't been decided yet. Um, because it, the unknown is the pandemic. The unknown is what conditions yeah. are going to exist uh, a few weeks from now. So, um, you know, P- Paul Byron said, you know, phase two is coming up. I don't even know how close we are to phase three. Uh, there's so much to be, to be uh, dealt with. Um, and he said, you know, he, he brought up the kind of concerns that the team has. Um, how long am I going to be away from my family? Is it going to be a couple of weeks? Is it going to be a couple of months? I don't know going into this. Uh, he asked the question that's on everybody's mind is what happens if, um, if a player is diagnosed uh, with the virus on your team? What if it's four or five players um, all at one time? You know, where's the line kind of thing? Uh, Bill Daly has said one player is not going to uh, being diagnosed positive is not going to stop the process. But what's the line? Where, where is it? Um, yeah. And and that's still all unknown. Um, so I I think that um, uh, you know for Paul Byron it's it's a little bit different situation. He he um, he lives close to the rink. Uh, he's he's in Broussard uh, with Brendan Gallagher. Uh, he's in BC and and he's training there and. And for him, this whole phase two opportunity, this voluntary phase where players can come in and use the facilities um, is, is not going to make any difference. As, as he said, uh, I've got everything I need right here. It doesn't make any sense to come to Montreal yeah. and Montreal and Quebec, we know is uh, a hot spot in Canada and he's hoping that the conditions will change. But as of now, it doesn't make any sense for him to, uh, uh, to travel. And, uh, and it, certainly doesn't make any sense for uh, some of the other players to travel like Carey Price is, who's in the States or Jeff Petrie or, um, and so on down the list. Um, uh, the, I, I think I, I liked Byron's uh, quote about being cautiously optimistic. I think that kind of encapsulates the, the feeling of, of many of the players. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's going to be the, the theme going forward is, is cautious optimism about, what we are going to be discussing in segment two and things that were, you you just touched on some things that we will be getting into a little bit deeper in segment two. But before we get there, we'll shift gears just a little bit because last week we talked about a top prospect for the 2020 NHL draft. And of course I will add the caveat that we don't know when the draft is going to take place and in what form it will take place, but just to pass this along. So last week we talked about Marco Rossi being named the OHL's most outstanding player. Uh, this week, uh, he's been named CHL's top scorer of the year, and uh, he compiled 120 points for the Ottawa 67. So another accolade for Marco Rossi entering his draft, uh, well, in his draft year. And uh, he had some stiff competition. Uh, as you he said, did. he won the OHL um, Most Outstanding Player uh, that we talked about last week. In the CHL, the nominees were, uh, in addition to Rossi, were Adam Beckman uh, representing the, the WHA, WHL from Spokane and uh, Alexis Lafreniere from Rimouski. And um, over those two, uh, Marco Rossi was selected as, as the um, CHL top scorer. So uh, congratulations to him. We talked about uh, last week whether he would be available for um, – you know, uh, if the Canadians pick eighth, if, if he'll drop to that point, whether a lot of people are talking about Cole Perfetti, 
Lucas Raymond, Alexander Holtz. There's lots of, of uh, players that are getting discussed, but uh, from what we see, Marco Rossi is uh, his stock is is rising a bit. I should say uh, that if you want to know more about uh, the CHL awards, uh, that uh, our newest contributor is Mike Rashel, and, and Mike's going to be joining us in the third segment. Uh, he's written a great article. It's on AHL.Report. Uh, go to AHL.Report, and you can read about uh, Marco Rossi uh, and and his uh, fellow competitors. Um, you'll you'll be able to to read about Mike's pick. Mike um, Mike uh, had his preference in this, and then the, the final winner. And he's going to be doing that with uh, with all of the CHL awards that are going to be rolled out over the a period of of uh, two weeks. Why is it important to pay attention to these guys? Well, they're the names that uh, you're going to be hearing when the draft is held. So you want to get uh, you want to get to know them uh, ahead of time, and uh, Mike will help you do that. Absolutely, it's certainly worth your time. Just check out that article on the AHL dot report. So, uh, Rick, before we move into the second segment, before we get there, we do have the impact of the coronavirus of COVID nineteen that continues, and. Uh, it's it was very interesting this week. Um, Group CH has uh, requested financial assistance from Quebec government. Uh, it, you, you used the word curious uh, earlier, and yeah, um, <laughs> boy, I'd tag curious all over this this story. Um, uh, the news kind of came out quietly, and I guess that is um, because I don't think it would be received too favorably. Um, if if it was uh, more widely discussed, Group CH is the the, the owner, the parent club, uh, the parent uh, organization of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Group CH owns the Montreal Canadiens. They own, and within that Group CH, there's other um, there's Spectra, there's uh, Eventco. We know the the concert uh, um, uh, company, um, and. They've re- requested from uh, the, the the government of Quebec some financial assistance with respect to um, uh, the, the the pandemic, and uh, apparently individual companies within the group have have also requested uh, money, uh, financial assistance, um, bailing out. Um, it's in this time when so many. Um, Individuals and small businesses are going through a difficult time. It's, uh, it's. I understand that that the Canadians are, are and and Group CH are are uh, losing money, and we we reported that they had to uh, lay off sixty uh, percent of their staff uh, by the end of yeah. March. But when you look at Forbes and and understand that that there are are a number of companies within Group CH, the Montreal Canadiens are just one. But when the valuation on the Forbes list for the Montreal Canadiens uh, is $1.34 billion. Uh, it just, it strikes me as, as maybe bad optics for them to be looking for uh, a bailout here. So um, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see where this goes, but, but we've thought we had the duty to report on it. Yeah, absolutely. And moving, moving on to something, something else that is, really been a, a curious we, you keep using that word but i think it, it fits in all of these situations the curious case of the mlb because as all sports leagues and, and everyone all over the world continues to deal with the pandemic the mlb has been not only dealing with 
the resumption of play that the other sports leagues are and, and when they could potentially do that. But beyond that, they are also having these, these sorts of labor disputes with the MLBPA. And uh, you had guys like Max Scherzer come out and say that they did not want to take a second pay cut after uh, you know they had negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries. They did not want to take a second cut. You had mass um, cuts amongst uh, minor league players because the minor league seasons are going to be canceled. You had employees in my, for minor league teams that were that were laid off. Like the MLB is is really it's it's become a very interesting situation. And and you know what I had once thought was going to be the league because they hadn't played any games yet. The NHL and M- NBA had already had basically all of their season uh, regular seasons uh the mlb i thought was going to be whenever it was they got the okay i figured that they would be the first ones to come back because they don't have that big sort of time frame and uh, they haven't had any of the games that, that have even started they were supposed to start march march 26th but then then all of this sort of stuff is happening so it just puts a question mark over really everything so a very curious case of the mlb as well yeah, and and um, it's it's important when we're looking at the NHL and the return to play is to look at what other leagues are doing. And, yeah. and uh, that was that was a, an excellent summary. And and you're certainly uh, on this panel uh, our expert when it comes to the MLB and NBA. <laughs> and um, so appreciate that. I, I as as a fan, um, you know, I've. I've uh, when I lived in Toronto, I was I went to uh, quite a number of, of games in the Sky Dome. It was Sky Dome then with the Blue Jays. Enjoyed um, I enjoy baseball as a fan. Um, I was to the Big O for for Expos game. Um, traveled around the U.S. I've, I've been to uh, you know a, a Detroit Tigers fan at heart, I guess. Um, yeah. But I, I I guess what really bothered me this week is uh, even more so than 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 those experiences I've had the, the, the pleasure of, of being able to attend triple a baseball. And yeah. I got to say, I love it best. Triple uh, a baseball is like nothing else. And, and the fans and the parks and the food and the, the atmosphere is amazing. And it was really hard to see, um, you know, the, the cuts that were having that were being made there and, and putting some, some of those franchises in, in real jeopardy. And, um, yeah, uh, that, that was, that was to put it into all perspective. And, and that of course relates to, uh, the, the same kind of situation for the, the AHL. Um, yeah. so we, we're, we're thinking about, uh, we're thinking about all of those people who, uh, work so hard in putting together their local, um, uh, minor league baseball and, and, uh, and that, you know, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of casualties uh, uh, yeah. finan- in the financial sense uh, that uh, I, I, I feel for more than a $1.3 billion um, <laughs> franchise. And it, it should be noted, I guess, that these cuts perhaps would have happened once you, know, you get closer to a, a baseball season. But to happen all sort of at the one time on mass, that is something that does not typically happen. So, yeah, absolutely. You feel for everyone involved in that um, and, and for the franchises that, that perhaps suffer from this long term. Um, so, so, Rick, uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. But when we come back, 
boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to dissect from the Gary Bettman explanation of the phases and the resumption of play and Mark Bergevin's thoughts on it as well. So we're, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rockets more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhaler19. You can follow Rick at All Habs, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, uh, boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to get to here in this segment because <laughs> the commissioner spoke this week, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens spoke this week, and yeah, it's it's sort of it's not set in stone because as we just said, we were discussing at the break, it's not set in stone, but it is as much set in stone as it can be because you hear from the commissioner and you hear about this resumption of play that we discussed and have been discussing in recent weeks. And particularly last week when we really got into this 24 team format because the NHLPA had voted to negotiate a little bit further. And then ultimately this week we do hear from Gary Bettman um, so this is ultimately, so you touched on it a little bit last segment with phase two, which is expected to start at some point in, in early June, where you can have these voluntary small group workouts at team facilities. So that would be, um, a, a step in, in this direction. So the player participation is strictly voluntary clubs are not permitted to require players to return to the home city of the franchise so that they can complete a quarantine requirement in time to participate 
in phase two. So as you said, Brendan Gallagher, is, for an example, he has everything that he needs to, uh, to stay in shape, to train, to do what he needs to do. So it does not make sense for him to go to Montreal and there would be no expectation. There's no requirement. The teams are not allowed to do that uh, per this, uh, per this plan. So that is something uh, and, and Renaud Lavoie tweeted that they, the Canadians did get the green light from the Quebec government to open the practice facility in Brassard. But of course, phase two hasn't officially started yet. So that's not going to be happening until phase two is official. Um, so Rick, I guess before we get to the qualifying round and everything like that, just your initial thoughts on this phase before we get to eventually phase three and phase four. Yeah, this is, um, you know, it's like Play-Doh. There's, there's kind of a form, <laughs> but it's very, um, movable and, um, yeah. uh, there, the whole phase two part of this is, uh, voluntary and the, the, um, the the players association were were concerned that um it would be too much like practice so they ensured uh, they they demanded that uh no uh coaching staff uh could be uh, there can be trainers um and uh, uh and strength and conditioning people but there can't be any coaching staff uh on the ice with these small groups as as they go through uh phase 2 so um, it's very much just getting back on the ice and, and, um, and skating, having access to the weight rooms, having access to uh, the training facilities for those that are, you know, uh, rehabbing from injuries. And, and uh, it's just, it's very unsure. And, and uh, I think that's, again, we have to stress that, that, that it isn't when they come back and play, it's if yeah. they come back and play. Because uh, there's still a lot of things that um, that need to be worked out, and 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 the players have have genuine uh, concerns ab- about all of it. And yeah, absolutely, as as they should. And something that Gary Bettman pointed out at various various points throughout uh, when he was explaining and breaking down this return to place uh, plan that everything is going to be from the medical authorities, the civil authorities, as to when these things can happen and we don't know if that's going to happen. It is an if question rather than a when question. So that is important too, as we're so used to talking in certainties, there are no real certainties in this situation. Everything is, is purely hypothetical. Um, but Rick, should we get to the point where you have phase two, then phase three comes and they're not expecting that before July 1st. And that would be training camps something resembling training camps. And then you get to ultimately phase four, where as we discussed last week, you'd have the qualifying round and those teams not technically a part of the playoffs, but they have the opportunity to play into the playoffs. Yeah. That seems like a long way away, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> we are, and and yeah. they've even, they've even pushed uh, phase three back a little bit more. Uh, they, yeah. uh, from what I saw, it was, not before July 10th. Uh, so then they expect about two weeks of, uh, of, of the training camp and then uh, two exhibition games. Um, and of course, those are going to take place in the hub cities and, and, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in a second. Um, but those, 
that qualifying round again, um, Gary Bettman kind of confirmed what we had said. Um, Those, uh, those teams that are playing in the qualifying round have not yet um, qualified for the playoffs. That's what they're doing in those games. Uh, There's only the four top teams in each conference who have already qualified um, and that it will be a standard uh, 16 game, um, a standard 16 game playoff uh, as it has been in previous years. Uh, but that qualifying round, uh, again, they're, they're going to have to uh, be testing on a regular basis. Uh, Gary Bettman talked about a daily testing of players and, and uh, um, making sure that, that tests were available. Um, and there's also the cost factor. At some point, uh, there's going to have to be a cost-benefit analysis. I know they want to get back to get the TV revenue to, to, to – uh, you know, because there's there there's the potential of so so much lost revenue, but there's also this outlay this extra outlay of of money and even the daily testing of players. And they talked about that being about one hundred and twenty five dollars. If you think about over the course of the playoffs, twenty five or thirty thousand tests, that's over three million dollars just for testing. So um, all of this is is going to be um, it's 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 going to be a, a, a difficult uh, equation to, to figure out both in the, the financial cost benefit analysis, but also the, the health uh, cost benefit analysis. Yeah. Um, but the Canadians will be one of those, uh, those eight Eastern conference teams that'll take place in, in a best of five series uh, with an opportunity to reach, as I said, the 16 game uh, playoff Um the, the the qualifying round as it's being called for those seven not uh, involved in that series they will go directly to the draft lottery which we'll we'll talk about that'll be held on June 26th and um, and then the, the Canadians will uh, match up against the the Pittsburgh Penguins as we talked about last week and and uh, have an opportunity to uh, to move into playoffs beating them three times in a best of five series yeah and as for the other teams because we know that the four top four teams in each conference in the east and the west are going to be there they are guaranteed their spots in the first round whereas the other the remaining eight teams that are going to fill it out they have to earn their their way into there but we know that boston tampa bay washington and philadelphia in the east have made it and that St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas have made it. So those teams will be participating in intra-conference round-robin games, three games to determine round one seeding. And uh, those games are going to be played with regular season overtime rules. And then, as you mentioned, you have the qualifying round with eight. Those other eight teams that will be decided in those matchups, those are going to be playoff OT rules. But this is very interesting to me because they are still at this moment. And Gary Bettman was adamant about this. They are going to have to figure out whether it's just going to be the next matchups as they move on in the playoffs will be determined by seating or by bracket that they're going to set up. It, it, it's really, as we've said a few times already in this podcast, there are things that are up in the air about this. And, and this is one of them. The, the players, um, there's, there's a real divide here. The, the league yeah. wants bracketing. They want to be able to market brackets. 
the players for fairness and integrity. Um, they want uh, reseeding after after every round to ensure that the top teams are playing uh, the bottom teams, and and that seems to make sense. Gary Bettman said that if if the players push hard enough on this one, that they'll probably get their way. Um, so I I'd say the scale is tipped towards reseeding at this point. It's going to be yeah. interesting in that in that round robin. Um, again, they're playing the games. Um, uh, they don't want want teams to risk a lot, but but they don't want to be disadvantaged by getting the the buy by not playing any games. So um, Gary was asked the question, "All right, so what happens in um, in the case of of Boston and Tampa? They go through the." Uh, the round robin, each with a two and one record, although Tampa beats Boston in the head to head. Does the head to head take precedence? And he said, no, that points percentage, regular season points percentage supersedes head to head play in this, in a tiebreaker scenario. So there, all of those little kind of details are, are <laughs> have to be worked out. Some have, and a lot have. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what's going to make all of this work is, eventually finding out all of these little details as we get closer to potentially seeing this. And that's once again, an if question rather than a when question, but Rick, one of the things that has been on the minds of many and Gary Bettman said this in his, in his exclamation, ex, explanation, excuse me, my goodness, I can't speak today. Uh, <laughs> that this was going to be probably said that it's going to be confusing as if everything else that I haven't already said hasn't been confusing. <laughs> Uh, the draft lottery, because that's been what's on the mind of a lot of, of a lot of people. And, and because this draft is, is deep and because you have a team like the Montreal Canadiens who thought that they would be getting a top 10 pick. And now it's, it's up in the air as is everything really. So Rick, what do we make of the, the draft lottery? Because that was part of it to me that was really confusing in this explanation. My goodness, I can't say that word. <laughs> Um, well, Gary had his own problems, uh, during the, the yeah. broadcast and when he stumbled, <laughs> he stumbled a bit, he said, uh, I love the quote. It's one thing to have it in your head, but another thing to put it into words. <laughs> and, and of course it was just completely the opposite because he had the words written out for him on his script, them, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think he fully understood it. Um, but the, the, the. The draft lottery that's going to be held on June 26th, it's going to include those seven teams uh, that that we talked about um, uh, that uh, are are excluded from any further play. Um, But there's going to be placeholders for the other teams, um, which is going to which makes it confusing. Um, and, and it's all going to be eligible for the top three picks in, in the draft. Now, if the top three picks uh, are one and they have the greatest chance by those seven, by one of, by those seven teams, then, then it's over. It's done. If not, if one of those uh, teams that's still playing in that qualifying round wins one of those three spots, then it's just a placeholder and there's going to be a second draft held after that. Um, the bottom line is that uh, it's really unfortunate for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, now, you can look at it two ways. They had 0% chance of making the playoffs. Um, now that's been bumped to, I think the latest figure I saw, 37%. They have a 37% chance of beating the Penguins. 
which would then be their ticket to the playoffs. So they have a 37% chance of making the playoffs. They've gone from zero to 37. That's good. Except uh, in their, their uh, chance of, of picking the first overall pick has plummeted. It's, it's uh, used to be 6%. It's now down to 1.9%. So the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes, the Canadians have a much chance um, of that, um, of, of, um, of winning, uh, of moving up in the lottery. They, they used to have a 19% chance. Now they have a 6% chance. So um, they're no matter what happens, um, whether they beat, Pittsburgh, if they beat Pittsburgh, of course, their odds, their odds drop considerably. But um, even if all else stays the same, even if they're, they're ousted by Pittsburgh, their, their odds in the, in the um, uh, draft lottery have dropped considerably. Um, And, and for those who are thinking about the long-term success of the team, uh, that's a bit of a concern, especially when you're looking at wanting to, translate this terrible season into a um an impact player let's say yeah yeah and and we'll probably get to that when we discuss the mark bergevin press conference but uh then we have the issue of the hub cities and we've been discussing the hub cities as a you know this has been that was one of the first things the nhl identified as a way to get back to playing was identify some some hub cities where you could you could set up and play games there and so for this to work, you'd obviously need hub cities and they have teams, uh, they have cities that they've identified as potential destinations, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. So they've identified the cities where they think that this could potentially happen. Um, so, so Rick, what are your general thoughts on that? Well, with respect to um, the hub cities, uh, Gary Bettman said a couple of things. Um, he said that they don't want to go into a place where coronavirus is, is a hot spot. Yeah. Um, and we know that uh, Illinois is still, is, is still a hot spot. Um, he also said uh, that um, currently, under the current rules, we don't think we can play in Canada. Uh, because yeah. of the 14 day quarantine. Now, if that changes, that's fine. But under the current rules, we don't think that we can play in Canada. So if you take Toronto, Vancouver, um, and Edmonton off that list, if you remove Chicago because of the, the, the COVID concerns, um, if you take Minneapolis off the list because of the rioting and looting, um, your list is getting pretty small. And um, I think that, that Vegas is kind of has a, has a, uh, an inside track for one of those uh, spots. Although I don't know, the NBA is also talking about Vegas and I, I don't know what that means. If you can, if you can do both in the same place. Um, but that list is, is getting quite tight. Um, and, and they're going to try and get it down to, uh, to two spots, one, one for the East and one for the West. Uh, but yeah. it's not necessarily um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, an Eastern city has to host the, the, uh, the Eastern games. It's, they will pick two cities from that list. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I think that's the, 
the best way to go about it because it's it's difficult to identify two teams or two cities that would work in that way for an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference team. Um, so, so Rick, I'll just say I'll just say yeah. that that with respect to that, that Gary Bettman said we'll have a decision on the hub cities in three weeks um, yeah. because people need to know where they're going to go. And and as we've said, um, for some players, particularly those coming back from from Europe, Sweden has been has been a has been a big issue that, you know, one of the highest case case and death rates in in Europe. And, and so those players will likely go straight to the hub city. So they need to know where they're going. Gary said that um, there'll be a decision in, in uh, three weeks. Um, So how that's going to, you know, we have phase two coming up decision in three weeks about the hub cities, then the, the, um, the training camps, the exhibition games, likely phase four, the play season, the play uh, once play starts, that's going to, um, happen in early August. Um, you expect that that's going to go between 60 and 70 games, uh, which are 60 and 70 days. That would mean that awarding a Stanley cup in October, if everything goes to plan, uh, according to what we know now, and, and we yeah. know that, <laughs> that that's likely to change. So that's where we are. That's what we can tell you, uh, is, is our kind of, uh, uh, um, appraisal of, of what is likely to happen, but there'll be changes. Yeah. So shifting gears to from Gary Bettman to Mark Bergevin, because Mark Bergevin had a conference call this week and he was asked questions about his thoughts and what he's been up to during this time. And so, of course, the question came up about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the matchup, the potential matchup with the Pittsburgh Penguins in that qualifying round. And uh, Mark Bergevin said, it's a short series. Anything is possible without putting any pressure on Carey Price. When you have a goaltender of that quality, anything is possible. So we'll see where we are, but I feel confident that if we do get to play against Pittsburgh, we have a chance to beat them. Um, so Rick, that that's, that's a lot to say for a general manager of the 12th seeded team in the Eastern conference of 12, I should say. Um, so I think that the one thing that I've taken away from this, though, is that win or lose in that qualifying round series, I mean, Mark Bergevin is winning anyways because there's going to be those who are satisfied just from seeing, even though it isn't officially the playoffs, it's a series against a good team and you get to see the Montreal Canadiens involved and perhaps that's enough to satisfy the people that would point out that the Montreal Canadiens have not had a very good stretch in recent years. Uh, specifically, I mean, you look at this year having 71 points through 71 games when you had 96 last year, I think would have been at least, it perhaps could have led to some discussions about where this team is headed in the long term. And you sort of already touched on the fact that long term, this could be to the detriment of the Montreal Canadiens. That's right. It- this is going to be difficult no matter how it turns out. If they beat Pittsburgh, um, that affects their lottery odds. Uh, and maybe it, it prevents them from making the changes that, that they've needed to, to make. Um, but this whole uh, opportunity, this play in, this qualifying round, um, it, it kind of smudges uh, people's memories that I've, I've seen yeah. on, on, uh, on social media that, that people forget that it was a terrible season, the 24th overall. And if they don't win this qualifying season and this 
qualifying tournament. Um, it's going to be the third year in a row they missed the playoffs, fourth in five years. It's, it's, um, it's been rough. And, and again, what's the recipe for success? I've said it before. Bergevin, his, the only success he's had is either what was built prior to his arrival. Um, uh, he, he's won on with, with the group that the previous GM, GMs had assembled, or it's been Carey Price. And again, that quote uh, yeah. was 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 kind of telling where he said, I don't want to put pressure on Carey Price, and then in brackets, but uh, our strategy <laughs> is Carey Price. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing, is that year in, year out, you hear this from Mark Bergevin, well, anything can happen when you make the playoffs. And you know what? That's that's sort of true. You see that there's a team every year that upsets you. That's that's you come to expect that out of the playoffs. But it feels a little bit disingenuous out of Montreal because it feels like that sentence, that statement, isn't so much. Oh, you know what? Anything can happen if we make the playoffs. It's well, we have Carey Price, and if he gets hot at the right time, who knows what can happen? So it's not so much that they're they're looking at the parity and unpredictability of the NHL as they are just saying that they have Carey Price and they can put all of their hopes and dreams and aspirations on the shoulders of Carey Price, which doesn't really feel like it's going to be a winning strategy. But Rick, the one thing in addition, you know, that people have been saying all year, and I pointed this out last week when I discussed the Pittsburgh Penguins injury woes this season has been that the Montreal Canadiens have been, have been bit by the injury bug. Um, Mark Bergevin touched on some of the statuses of of various players that have been dealing with injuries this season, including Jonathan Drouin and Victor Meta. He, um, uh, he said Jonathan Drouin, uh, we remember the wrist injury and the, the ankle, uh, injury, uh, is, uh, is cleared to play and he's cleared to play because he's in Montreal and he's, um, he's been supervised by the Canadians, uh, doctors. So Drouin, no issue. He's back. Um, Victor Meta, that's, uh, he's been, uh, doing rehab, uh, but he's not in Montreal. So hasn't been cleared by, uh, Canadian staff yet. So we don't know. Um, really curious, his answer on Jesperi Kotkaniemi, where he said he had no idea. Um, yeah. I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, well, I think you should. Um, <laughs> and of course that sound hit the spleen injury, uh, with Kotkaniemi. That sounds like uh, it's going to take him uh, a little bit of time. And when um, uh, Mark Bergevin was asked about the 28 uh, play- uh, skaters, uh, that's been what's been talked about, uh, an expanded roster, the Black Aces, to allow uh, 28 skaters and an unlimited number of goaltenders, um, he said it's going to depend on uh, the health of some of our younger players and was probably referring to uh, Meta and Kotkaniemi and others. Uh, the other case that I'll just mention here, and it's not an injury, but it's a health-related issue. Uh, Mark Bergevin was asked about Max Domi, uh, given that he has one of those uh, uh, preconditions uh, that yeah. that might make him more susceptible um, to the virus, and and he said that uh, it's uncertain, um, and that the Canadians nor the NHL would put Max Domi in a position. Uh, to be exposed to something that would would uh, potentially uh, give him uh, long-term health concerns. So uh, I don't think Domi's uh, participation is, although you got to think that Max Domi wants to play because he has the opportunity to get in the playoffs for the first time in his career. 
but that um, that's that's not certain at this point. Yeah, um, and obviously, I think that health and safety of everyone involved is paramount, and and certainly somebody like Max Domi who has one of those conditions that would make him more susceptible. But Rick, overall, so I kind of gave my thoughts on the matchup with the Penguins and how this is really a no lose situation for Mark Bergevin personally as as the general manager of this team with respect to, well, if he wins this qualifying round, he gets to the playoffs. If he loses, well, you know what? It was, it was close, even though they didn't really, they shouldn't have been there by traditional means. But regardless, it might satisfy people that wanted to see that, wanted to see some playoff hockey or a series or whatever it might be. So, Rick, what were your general thoughts on everything that came out of that Mark Bergevin presser? Well, um, I, I thought it was a really odd one because, you know, Mark Bergeron hasn't appeared before the media for, for months. Yeah. Uh, and Dominic Seant right at the beginning said, okay, we're going to limit this to 40 minutes. One question, please, uh, for each of the, the media on the teleconference. Um, 40 minutes. Wh- what else did he have to do? Um, he hasn't, he hasn't been. <laughs> the me- and as it turned out, it was 35 minutes. It was three minutes yeah. of Dominic Seon, 35 minutes of, of Mark Bergevin and, and a 38 minute start to finish. It was really odd. And I have to say that Mark Bergevin was curt. He was snarky. He was, um, you know, some of the, the answers he gave were just kind of two word um, yeah. answers. Uh, there was a, I think it was Arpen asked a question, kind of a hypothetical. And, and Mark said, it's not happening. So I don't have to answer your questions. Um, uh, and just uh, there was a, a Tony Mara, a, a, the usual silly Tony Marinero question and s- kind of snapped back at him and said, uh, the game is played on ice, not a sheet of paper. Uh, that's sports, you know, as if he's trying to be a bit condescending and educate. I just thought the whole thing was, yeah, was bizarre. Um, even our buddy uh, who's been on our, our the podcast before Douglas Gallivan, who's mild man. And he snapped that with a two word answer. Um, for uh, Douglas Galvan as well. So uh, it, 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 it's just, um, yeah, I, I think Douglas Galvan had, had asked about the biggest challenge during this time. And yes. all Mark said yep. was the unknown. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, you know, um, without going any further than that, it, it was just very odd. Um, and, and Mark was asked um, about, you know, what we had been talking about earlier, whether, whether um, this, this opportunity to be in the playoffs has affected uh, the lottery chances, which, which it has. And he said, I prefer a chance to play in the playoffs rather than a chance to win the lottery. So he kind of declared his position there. And, um, and of course that would, you know, that would be good for him personally, if the Canadians were able to get into the playoffs. Um, it, It was just a, you know, a very odd kind of press conference. Even even the the question that we we've talked about, you and I have been talking about the number of goalies. Who will they take? Will they bring McNiven? Will they bring Kincaid? I think um, Chris G is going to deal that uh, with uh, some of that in his Rocket Notepad coming out on Monday on the AHL Report. But um, Mark's his answer was was bizarre. He said uh, it's certain that we will have more than two goalies. Well, that's what, not what we're asking. We know it's <laughs> Captain Obvious here. We know they're going to take more than two goalies. The question was, 
You're going to take three, you're going to take four. Uh, and yeah. he just uh, didn't want to get into that. So it was, it was a, a, a really odd uh, press conference, uh, I thought, for, for Mark Bergevin. Yeah, and I mean, even by his standards, I mean, there are often times during some of his pressers where he comes across that way and his answers are short and stuff, but it, it felt like it was even more amplified. Perhaps it was because you weren't actually seeing him. You were just seeing, you know, the the screen and, and said, yeah, you know, so it, it that might have added to it. But yeah, even by his standards, it seemed like his answers were shorter and uh, didn't really give a whole lot away. Um, so, Rick... Uh, with that said, I guess we'll wrap things up for the second segment. But when we come back, we had the final round of our bracket challenge. So we're going to be joined by our friend Mike Rashel, who's going to hop in and give his thoughts as well on how it all turned out for the forwards um, and, and tee up the defenseman bracket that we have coming up. So stick around for that. We'll be back after just a quick break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And Rick, we have a, a very special guest, as we said. Well, this fellow has been on the show once before, um, but he's here in a bit of a different capacity, an official capacity with uh, Rocket Sports. This time, um, one of our newest contributors, that's Mike Rashel. He's, uh, he's joined the team, the very talented Rocket Sports team, to uh, uh do some special kind of content things with us uh, with respect to junior hockey and prospects and the draft. Um, and he's already got, I, I mentioned uh, in the, the first segment, uh, he's already got his first article 
uh, in the hopper. It's published. It was published yesterday um, on uh, one of the CHL award winners, Marco Rossi, and more are coming. So uh, Mike's a great guy. We met him at uh, in Vancouver uh, last year at the draft. Uh, very hockey knowledgeable, and uh, we're just really excited to get underway and have him join our uh, fabulous Rocket Sports team. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Kirk, Joseph. Excited to uh, excited to be back on the show and excited to get started with uh, the impressive team you guys have assembled. Absolutely. And, Mike, I think uh, I would like to thank you, first of all, too, because we've been working together on this on this bracket challenge. Back a couple months ago, we compiled a list of forwards, defensemen, and goaltenders for this bracket challenge, and we've just concluded the bracket for forwards with the uh, winner being... Zaku Koivu, I think that somewhat unsurprisingly, Zaku Koivu, just because of all that he accomplished uh, in his time with the Montreal Canadiens. But Mike, I think the one thing that I have found to be very interesting about this bracket challenge, specifically for forwards, uh, there were some really interesting results that came out of this. And we had a lot of great conversation that this this has generated. And uh, that's what I thank you for, because you you came up with uh, this idea after seeing it play out on other, uh, with other sports, with other, other social media accounts doing similar things. Ultimately we decided to do this. And the one thing that I thought was really, really interesting. And I mentioned this to Rick and, and to you as well, that Mike Camilleri beat out Brian Gianta in the, in the first round. I thought that that was going to go the other way. So my question to re- to you is, were there any results along the way as you were following along on the at Habs connection, Twitter account that surprised you? What, what, what was your thought process as this was all unfolding? Well, Gionta Camilleri was definitely up there for me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting because I, I figured it would definitely go the other way. Like you did more on the fan favorite side of things. Yeah. But then yeah, again, and, Camilleri, you know, obviously had uh, th- those impressive playoff runs, and even though his uh, the way he left the team wasn't uh, was a little bit bittersweet with uh, with some, it seems that the, the playoff results have kind of uh, outweighed that. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely surprising. I thought that be a little bit more on the on the seventy thirty side versus uh, versus the other. But yeah, the most uh, interesting one for me actually, I thought was how close Patch Ready and Bokanich came down to in the semifinal. I was yeah. not expecting fifty fifty at all. Again, might be a yeah. little bit of uh, recency bias potentially, but uh, yeah, I mean, five thirty goal seasons, you know, two almost forty goal seasons versus you know a percentage that was always consistent with the Habs, but you know, a fifty-ish point guy and not not really a player that you you know was unfortunately an era where he had to be a top line guy, but you know, best case scenario, you would have rather utilized him as a second line guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's the thing that I found surprising too was that Gallagher in the third round against Zaku Koivu was actually he put up more of a maybe it's recency bias as you say maybe it, that's what it comes down to. Uh, Gallagher was I think it was a sixty-five thirty-five split for or excuse me sixty-two thirty-eight was the was the number. But I mean that was something as well that I did not expect when you put it into context at the final round was Zaku Koivu picking up 85% of the vote to Thomas Plakanich's 15. But there's, there, I should note, there is one day and two hours left on that poll. That could ch- still change, but obviously I think we know that it's going to be Zaku Koivu that walks away with it. But 
that's still something that I found to be a little bit curious was that there was that sort of uh, that there wasn't a little bit closer between Plakanich and Koivu in the final. For sure. It was interesting but, too yeah. that uh, Gali gave him that much of a, uh, of a yeah. fight because he had a tough time in the first two rounds, if I remember correctly, whereas Koivu he, kind of yeah. swept through the first two rounds. Yeah, it was a little, it was more decisive early for Zaku Koivu. Um, but the thing that I think is most, uh, that will be most interesting going forward is that we are going to be shifting from forwards to defensemen. And this is where I think it gets really interesting because uh, we, we kind of noted that the forwards for the Montreal Canadiens in the 2000s, a little bit top heavy. Defensemen, it's a little bit more spread out, a little bit more, is a more parity, a little bit more even. So uh, I, I think we're, li- we're both looking forward to getting into that. Definitely. I think it's split up into tiers, to be honest. I'm just looking at the list here. I don't want to give uh, any of the names away. We'll keep it a surprise yeah. for, uh, for the fans. <laughs> but uh, it definitely does look a little bit tiered, whereas, like you said, the forwards were a little bit top-heavy. I think we'll see a lot more even battles on the uh, defensive side of things. Absolutely. Yeah, so keep an eye out on that. As I said, the at at Habs Connection on Twitter is where you can find. We're tweeting out these polls for this bracket challenge. We've concluded the bracket for forwards. We'll be moving on to uh, defensemen. Um, so, Rick, anything you'd like to say just before we uh, we let Mike let Mike go? Well, just to thank you both. This was uh, yeah. this is very uh, interesting to see how the, uh, not only the um, uh, the numbers play out, but the the comments and. Um, it was a kind of a unique uh, era to choose uh, the 2000 yeah. era uh, to uh, to include, and and uh, for players who may not get the kind of recognition that uh, that other members of the franchise do. And so uh, it's been very interesting to watch, and and really glad to see all the participation and the comments. As uh, as you said, Canadians Connection Bracket Challenge. Go to at Habs Connection and vote in the poll, and also tell us what, uh, what you think about the matchups. Absolutely. And, yeah, as, as Rick said, thank you, Mike, because this has generated a lot of conversation, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. It's been a lot of fun to follow. Quick question for you guys. What do you think of uh, Jeff Petrie's chances? That was probably the most <laughs> intriguing name for me going through this. I did not know where to rank him because he's been so strong the last, well, particularly last year, but really the last two to three years. But it's such a recency bias when you compare some of the other names that are going to be on this list that I've had, you know, yeah. pretty close to full careers of the Canadians. I'm curious what you guys think there. Jeff well, I think what you said, yeah, yeah, I think it is interesting, and, and there is going to be a recency bias uh, with with that name that, you know, as it as it compares to uh, the names that uh, some people may have, have uh, forgotten or lost touch with or, or, or not yeah. watch play very often, so... Um, I don't, I should say, I should tell the listeners that I'm in the same position as, as you are, because I don't know who's on the list. Uh, you guys yeah. know, but I don't. And, and that's why I'm always excited to, to see the matchups when they're posted. And the, the thing about Jeff Petrie too, and this is what's going to be so interesting about it without having the bracket in front of me is that this is going to test where, where fans are uh, specifically on a guy like Jeff Petrie, who at times is a little bit inconsistent, but if you're looking at defensemen of the past 20 years, the view of Jeff Petrie versus the view of potentially a, a Mike Commissarek, where does that sort of thing, where's, where's, where's Jeff Petrie looked at in that sort of a matchup? And I don't know if that is the matchup. I don't have the bracket right in front of me, 
but this is the conversation that we're we're hoping to have is to see I now uh, with a guy like Jeff Petrie who's currently on the team, where does he rank amongst that? I think that that is that's uh, that's a really good question, Mike. <laughs> Maybe enough fan votes can even convince Bergeron to re-sign them. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we often say that we have an impact on this podcast because things happen directly soon after the fact. Soon after we've discussed uh, Jeff Petrie, who's having having you know inconsistencies, he'll go out and he'll have a great night. So perhaps it will. Perhaps that will be the case. Uh, but Mike, we want to thank you for joining us here today and discussing the bracket challenge. And of course, we'll we'll have you on later on uh, to discuss the defensemen and the goaltenders and how this all sort of turns out uh, with this bracket challenge. But thank you for joining us today. No problem, guys. Take care. Take care. And be sure all to right. read, uh, go to AHL.report to read Mike's yep. uh, first article, uh, again, about um, um, the CHL's uh, most, uh, the top scorer, and that is uh, Marco Rossi. Absolutely. It is certainly worth your time to go out and, and, and seek that out and check it out and, and, and certainly keep following along with Mike's work. Uh, Mike is a, is a very smart, very smart person. So definitely worth your time to check those out. Um, so Rick, uh, just before we sign off for another week here on the Canadians connection, anything you'd, uh, you'd like to say? Well, we thank you for joining us. We really thank you for um, reading the articles on uh, both allhabs.net and AHL.report. We thank you for uh, subscribing and listening to our podcast uh, from the press box and this one, um, uh, the Canadians connection. Uh, We just, uh, and we appreciate all your, your comments and your feedback on social media, whether it be Twitter, uh, Facebook or Instagram. Um, And we, we love getting your, your messages and your text. Remember our our rocket sports text line at five, eight, five, three rocket, five, eight, five, three rocket text us. 24 hours a day and we're, we're always happy to hear from you. Certainly. And as, as the name of this podcast indicates, we uh, love connecting with our listeners, whether it be through text, Twitter, social media, whatever it is. So definitely, yes. Uh, tweet at us, text at us, do, do whatever you'd like <laughs> to connect. Uh, but Rick, uh, I guess we'll say goodbye for another week here in the Canadians connection podcast. Um, but before we go, we should say, as you said about the AHL report and, and the, the fantastic work of Mike, that this podcast, you can find this podcast along with From the Press Box, the AHL Report podcast, and all your favorite podcasting platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. You get this podcast as well as From the Press Box. Um, so, Rick. I suppose we'll say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And once again, thank everyone uh, working on the front lines and, uh, and certainly ask everyone to continue to social distance, do all of the things that are, are going to get us through this. Uh, and, and hopefully, as we talked about today, at some point we get back to talking about hockey games and everything else sort of falls back to where it normally is. So, Uh, Rick, we'll say goodbye, but thank you everybody for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.